Acts chapter 1, verses 15 through 26 is where we're at today, and, and I'm going to read this passage to you, and, and, um, and then we'll get into the message. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was in all about 120, and said, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. Now, I'll, I'll tell you this. I, I don't want to skip verses, so that's why we're going through this. There's several sections in this that we won't address today. But it, the backstory story is this, is we know that Judas Iscariot betrayed Jesus. It says that there was a time that, that Satan entered into Judas and really came against Jesus, and the Scriptures had to be fulfilled. And, and Peter now is addressing those that Jesus had ascended. They were together, the 120, and Peter is addressing them. Verse 17. Well, let me finish verse 16. So 16 says, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us, and was allotted his share in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field, a field with the reward of his wickedness, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his bowels gushed out. Kind of gross. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the field was called in their own language, Alkadama, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, May his camp become desolate, and let there be no dwell let there be no one to dwell in it and let another take his office so one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time the lord jesus went in and out among us beginning from the baptism of john until the day when he was taken up from us one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection and they put forward two joseph called barsabbas who was also called Justice and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, know, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you, shall, you have chosen to take the place in the ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them. And the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. This is... History. This is storytelling of a fact of something that truly happened. So as Judas was no longer with the disciples in ministry because he had failed, they had to replace him. And so they had a decision to make. And today I want to talk a little bit about decision making. Who likes to make decisions? Who... who uh, struggles when it's have you do you ever sit in the car husband wife family hey where do you want to go to dinner tonight and nobody can decide where to go we are in america so we have more options than most other countries i'm sure do but do you ever find yourself indecisive well these disciples at that day had a decision to make and they had to choose a new disciple, a new apostle. 
I can tell, I'll tell you a story, a time that I had a decision to make. This isn't um, selecting an apostle, but it was a decision I had to make. I was, I was new in a position uh, in employment. We were living in Reading at the time. And I had, there was three of us working that day, and, and I worked for a company where we would go out and we would drive this truck and we would deliver food or sell food door to door. And we were out in the country, up in the mountains outside of Reading. Uh, there's... Uh, east of Reading, actually. And we're driving around, and I'm a city boy. I had uh, basically, well, Woodland being my city. I grew up in Woodland, so I was a flatlander more than maybe a city boy. And we were out and about that day. And these guys were from this area. They knew the area. And as we were out running around, I was all about, because I, being their boss, was all about selling as much food, making as much money, being successful in the day. Well, it began to snow, and it was beautiful. I was like, wow, this is great. I'm getting paid to be out here in the snow. It was just gorgeous. And so, it, but it kept snowing, and kept snowing, and kept snowing, and it got deeper and deeper and deeper. And they started to murmur a little bit about the fact that we may not be able to stay out here to finish the day because the snow hasn't let up. Oh, we'll be fine, I said. It'll be just fine. Don't worry about it. We're going we're gonna to get through it because we're not going to be the ones to go in early tonight because I have to set an example. So the three of us, we just kept trudging on, trudging on, and they kept looking at me, the decision maker, thinking, what is this guy going to do? The one guy that lived in that area was warning me that sometime today, this evening, we're going to head down into this place called Big Bend. And it's down in this, in this uh, low area, but it's cold down in there. When it snows, they get a lot of it. And the road to get down in there has got a lot of twists and turns, and it's steep. And he was saying, so just letting you know, it might be difficult to go there. Oh, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. We're going to do it. We're going to push on through. And then he started to talk about how dangerous it might get. No, 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 it'll be fine. We're going to push on through. We got chains, don't we? We can put chains on this truck. We'll be just fine. Well, I was new. I didn't know what I was doing. I was making it up as I went. Who's ever done that? Didn't know what you were doing, but you just pushed on through. But I was big about we have to be decisive. We have to make a decision. And the only good decision in my mind was to finish the day. So we pulled off finally because it did get to the point we were going to have to put chains on the truck, and I found that we had one chain, but we had lots of tires. And so I thought, well, we, let's do the one chain. <laughs> Pastor Scott keeps shaking his head. Experience will do that to you. So we put one chain on the truck, and we start heading down the road, and then finally the guy says, I'm not comfortable driving anymore, Doug. You're going to have to drive. I'm thinking, well, he's the mountain guy. He should know how to drive in this stuff. What do I know? Okay, move over. I'll drive. So we're driving, and it's treacherous. And he says, Doug, up ahead, there's a turn. And once you make that turn, then you're committed. There is no turning back. Because then it's, it's these steep grades going downhill, and they're just nothing but switchbacks. So you're going to have to decide before you get to that turn, are we in or are we out? 
Oh, we're in. We're going to be just fine. I look over, and the guys are cinching up their seatbelts. And so we start heading for this turn, and I can see the sign saying a steep turn and that there's a grade ahead. And, and so as we're heading down, there was a small turn before we got to the sharp one. And I go to turn to get around this tiny corner, and the truck keeps going straight because I had no traction. At that point, I made a decision. We're not going to go any further. We're going to turn around and go back. But we have decisions sometimes in life kind of like that. We just keep trudging forward. We keep trudging forward. Even when we know there's treacherous things ahead, sometimes we'll push forward. That day, I'm thankful that God gave me a sign. Even my stubborn self, the sign was this. The truck won't turn. <laughs> turn back. It, it, it would have been ugly. Guaranteed. There was another time. Dean and I had just been married. I had a, a three-wheeler, kind of like a quad, but it was a three-wheeler. And in those days, you heard a lot of stories about how they were dangerous. Because if you turn too sharp, they would throw you overboard and people were breaking their necks. I mean, it was a dangerous thing. Well, I was being uh, immature, and I was out riding my three-wheeler out where we live now, and, and Dina and a friend, they were doing something, and they were in a, um, a golf cart. And so being a uh, 20-something young man, I decided I was going to show off for her because that's how we impress, right? We act stupid. The stupider we look, the more impressive we are, right? No, not necessarily. So anyhow, I thought I'd play chicken. So I remember I was, I was just running the three-wheeler at her, and, and then at the last minute, I was going to turn and dodge her, right? And she's looking at me like, what is he doing? And I'm just going right at her, and just at about the time I start to turn to avoid her, I feel the three-wheeler start to tip over. So I had to make a decision, tip over. Or straighten it out. Straightening out means running into her. So I straightened it out and ran into her. And as I ran into her, she was just fine and her friend was just fine. And she's looking at me like, what are you doing? Why are you doing that, Doug? And I'm sitting there, my hands are all banged up and I'm sore. And I'm, I'm just kind of like, huh? what do you think of that? That was pretty cool, huh? How many times have you made just dumb decisions in life? I mean, we all do it, right? We've made just ridiculous type decisions. And then there's consequences that come with them. That day, the consequence was I had a little bit of pain and a lot of uh, humility cast upon me. How do we make good decisions? You know, if you're here today and you're a believer, you made the best decision you could ever make in life, and that is to choose Jesus as your personal Savior. But the disciples in this story had a decision to make. They had to choose a new apostle. And, and, and there's a lot we can learn from looking at how they decided on the new disciple, on the new apostle. See, there was a couple things that they had going for them. 
This is what I want to encourage you in today is, is I don't want you making bad decisions in life because bad decisions create consequences, and consequences generally delay you from entering into that which God has purposed you in life to do. Now, the incident of my three-wheeler probably didn't delay me in ministry, but I can tell you of a whole lot of decisions, decisions I made that did. When we make bad decisions, there's bad consequences. But the disciples were better equipped to make a good decision, and here's why. As we heard in that word earlier today, they were a friend with Jesus. They had spent time with him. So what happened is their sense changed. What was common sense for them became Jesus' sense. We, we tend to look at people and say, well, don't do that. That's common sense. I started, I'm starting to understand that common sense isn't all that common. It's just sense. And sometimes it's senseless. The disciples had what I would call Jesus sense. And they took this Jesus sense and they, they asked themselves, I'm sure the question came, what would Jesus do? See, they had knowledge of the Old Testament and scriptures. And so they were able to consider what would Jesus do when selecting an apostle. And so earlier we read that they required a witness from baptism by John until resurrection. See, this Bible wasn't available then, but they had the scriptures, and they had Jesus. Last week, I touched on the fact that that the disciples obeyed, the disciples were in unity and fellowship, the disciples were in prayer, and the disciples were in scripture. They had been in the scripture. They knew the scripture. They had Jesus' sense. They knew what to do from the word. Even when we don't sense a special guidance from the Holy Spirit, we have God's voice permanently established in his word. I I don't want you to struggle because of bad decisions. I don't want to see you delay your, your walk or your call because of bad decisions. But for you to be able to make good decisions, you need to be in the word. You need to have a friend in Jesus. You need to have fellowship with him, much like the disciples had. Of course, even if we do sense a special guidance, though, from the Holy Spirit, remember that the Holy Spirit will never disobey God's written word. Next week, we're going to start talking about the Holy Spirit and that power that was promised to us and how the Holy Spirit can come upon us and empower us to do God's work to do as we've been commanded to do, to go and create more disciples, right? But sometimes we get so caught up that we become indecisive as we wait on the Holy Spirit to speak to us when God has already spoken to us in his word. But you have to know his word. Will you go into his word and get to know him? And then they had to ask the question, does it fit? 
Is it contrary to God's will or not? I've, I've talked about this before, but I've had a young man, I remember at one point, he was asking me, or he had suggested that God was showing him this. But everything that God had been showing him up to this point in time was something completely different. His whole life was leading this path, down this path, and God was directing it. And the closer he came with God, the more his life went down that particular path. And then all of a sudden, he was faced with a decision to make. And it was completely different than the path he was already on. See, I, I don't believe God contradicts himself. And that was part of the conversation is, how close are you with God? Are you praying and are you reading his word? And if you are, and you're not sure about this decision, then I would go back and say, well, how has God been moving in your life? Because if this is contrary to what God's been doing in your life, then it may not be God. God won't contradict himself, and the Holy Spirit will not contradict the Word of God. Now, the disciple they were looking for, one of these must become a witness, it says, with us of his resurrection, Jesus' resurrection. This was the main job of the disciple that would replace Judas. That's our job, is to be witnesses. We also can be witnesses of his resurrection, both by trusting and proclaiming our testimony, this testimony, our own testimony, that the risen Jesus lives in and through us. So they had this common Jesus sense. But then they also knew that they needed more than that. Because for them, they had to choose a new apostle. And as they were trying to choose, as you're trying to choose, Sometimes you can't come up with the final answer. They couldn't come up with the final answer. They came up with two. Because of the common sense they had, two was all they could do. But then they needed more sense. They needed supernatural sense. You know, it talks about them casting lots to choose. Casting lots was almost like a game of chance, you might say. But for them, it was a win-win. There was no chance in the game. It was just a guarantee Whatever God chooses will be a good decision. We can only decide so far, but at some point in time, we have to let the Lord decide the rest. There's a story in the Old Testament of a man named Gideon. He was a younger man, and the Lord spoke to him and, and told him that he was going to help free the people of Israel from the, from the land of, or from the Midianites. Now, You've got to understand Israel, and you, you, anybody that's been going to the journey through the Bible on Wednesday nights knows this, but Israel would cycle. They would become disobedient to the Lord. They would come under bondage and slavery. Then they would be, oh, my, help me, Lord, and then he would free them from bondage and slavery again, only so that they could be disobedient to the Lord again, come under bondage and slavery, say, oh, my, and then be saved again. This was a constant cycle with the people of Israel. And during this time, there was this man named Gideon. And the Lord told Gideon he was going to raise up this army to overcome the Midianites. And he's saying, well, the people I'm with, they're not worth much. So I don't know how we're going to come against the Midianites. 
So he kept having conversation with the Lord, and the Lord started to continually confirm within him that, yes, you're going to do this. Yes, you're going to do this. But then there was this time. I need one final sign from you, God, that this is of you and this is not of Gideon. And so this is where you hear and Christians speak all the time that we cast a fleece. He took a fleece, which was this uh, sheepskin, not like a fleece sweater, but, but he cast it on the floor. And he said, God, if this is of you, then cause this fleece to be wet with dew and the ground around it to be dry. And so the next morning he goes out there and, and sure enough, the fleece is wet, so wet that he's able to wring it out into a bowl, but the ground around it is dry. And then again, he says, okay, just, just to be sure, one more time, Lord. Because this is a big decision. For Gideon, this wasn't just some minor thing. Should I eat at Burger King or at Taco Bell? This was a life-changing decision. He was going to go from being basically just an Israelite son to either being dead or being a great man. It was a big decision. So he says, God, now I want you to do the opposite. I'm going to lay the fleece out, and if it's dry and the ground around it is wet, then I know it's of you. Sure enough, the next day, it was just that. The ground around it was wet. And the fleece was dry. That was supernatural. It wasn't natural. See, for us, when we're making decisions, we need to trust in, yes, the common sense that can come upon us as we spend time in his presence. So Jesus' sense, not not man's sense. But then there's also in these big decisions in life that we really need to come before him and say, God, I don't know the final outcome. I don't know the final decision, so I have to trust in you, Lord. We've had decisions to make in our life. And sometimes my stubbornness, my doggedness to push through has gotten in the way of allowing his supernatural sense to creep in. Josh was talking earlier about the things that we hold on to that can come between us and him. Sometimes those things are our own stubborn nature. Sometimes it's, it's uh, our own inability to just give in. Sometimes it's okay to give in. Especially if you're giving in to the Lord, it's all the time okay. I, I've shared this story in... My nature was this. If somebody told me no, I was going to keep going until someone told me yes. And then when they finally told me yes, then I got to enter into whatever it was I was doing and face the consequences of, of my sense. I want you to consider this morning, what is, this, what is the decision that lies before you? As I was studying this message, I was thinking, There are people here today that are going to have to make a decision. Maybe you've already had a decision laid out before you, and you're not really sure what to do. 
Maybe, maybe your emotion is pushing you to decide this way. But Jesus, since, would say, no, do this. But then there's also a need to say, Lord, if this is truly of you, show me a sign. The Lord is a good friend. And he won't leave you alone. He's never forsaken you. He's never left you behind. He always has your best interests in mind. See, for them, they, the disciples, they cast lots. They, some would say maybe it was a bowl with some marked stones in it, and they'd swirl the bowl, and whatever stone came out would be the decision made. It seems kind of chancy. But up to that point, they knew that they were doing what Jesus would do, and that would be select somebody because they knew this was the will of God. And, and they knew it should be somebody that had spent time with Jesus that made sense, common sense, Jesus' sense. But, Lord, we don't know which one now. Now, here's a thing that we also struggle with. This is something that is still and was a pet peeve of mine, is indecisiveness. I had a gentleman working for me one day, and again, it had to do with the snow, and they had a power outage in this town that he was working in, and he was going to stay the night there in that town, and he was driving a freezer truck, and he knew he had to plug it in that night, or the things in the truck could potentially melt. So, so that day, he decided he was going to stop early and just get to a hotel and get plugged in as early as possible in case the power went out that night, I guess is what the deal was. I can't remember why he stopped early, but it had to do with power, and it had to do with the fact that he made a decision. I praised him for the decision he made, even though it was not the decision I would have made. Because we can learn from our bad decisions at times, God is a gentleman in that. I had somebody ask me, they said, well, God loves me all the time. Yes, he does. Nothing can separate you from his love. But God also allows you to go through the consequences of bad decisions. He'll love you through that time, but he allows you to go through them. In this situation, that truck wasn't going to melt. It was snowing out. It was cold. It would have been fine. But he was decisive. And so as a gentleman, I was able to share with him, hey, that's fine. Next time, you won't have to do it that way. Jesus is like that. You're going to make bad decisions, and Jesus will give you an opportunity to be loved back into making good decisions. One bad decision doesn't remove you from being relevant. One bad decision doesn't remove you from being able to be used by the Lord. He can redeem the bad decisions in life. If you're here and you're saying, oh, I've made some bad decisions, and because of my bad decisions, I'm unworthy, I cannot be used. That's a lie. That's what the enemy does to try to keep us from being what God has created us to be. Just because a bad decision has been made does not mean that that time cannot be redeemed. It will be redeemed if you lean on the Lord and trust in him. 
Be decisive. And <laughs> I used to have this joke. Um, my kids would say, ask me a question, and I'd say, I'll pray about it and tell you tomorrow. Well, Dad, I need to know right now, I'll pray about it and tell you tomorrow. Now, that was my way just to push them off. But sometimes we get like that. We have a decision to make, and we play the Christian card. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to pray about it. Trust that God will speak to you. Trust that God has already spoken to you. Timing's an interesting thing, though. I'm the type of guy that if somebody says, or if I feel like God is directing me somewhere, I will go there now. Even when it's not for now. I, I have had to learn more now in my life than ever that to wait upon the Lord's not a bad thing. Now, that's not being indecisive. See, some would say, well, I don't know how to make good decisions. Press in and get to know God. Well, how do I do that? Get into the Word. Pray. Seek His face daily. Be a friend of Jesus daily. You don't have to be old to be wise. It helps, but you don't have to be. Mature in the Lord. Press into Him. Get to know Him. Psalms 12. I love this this verse because this is the one when times are hard, it helps me to remember that He's always ready to help. He's always there for us. It says, I lift up my eyes to the hills from where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Decision-making also makes us stressed. Have you ever had a big decision ahead of you and the stress seems to be too much for you? That's where we can trust in the Lord. It says in 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7, Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all anxieties on him because he cares for you. Proverbs 3, 5, and 8 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. This is my theme verse for all decision-making. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. How is that? How do we do that? How are you doing that in your life today? How are you trusting in the Lord with all your heart? We tend to trust in Him in certain areas, but not others. Trust in the Lord with all. And don't lean on your own understanding. Now, your own understanding, if it lines up with His Word, might be His understanding that He's given to you. How much of our decision-making includes me? Versus how much of our decision-making includes him. Luke 16.10 says, One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. It's important to start practicing our decision-making. It's important to start practicing it on the small things. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, even in the small things. And then when the big things come, 
He'll be faithful to you in much. If the worship team could come, and as they're coming, the the thing I want to do today is there's elders here, myself, different ones that would love, retired pastors that are here today that would love to pray with you about the decisions you have to make. Think about the decision that you're faced with right now. You believe that God wants you to do X, but you're not sure. That's where you need the supernatural sense. That's where you need prayer. Where two or three are gathered in his name, he's there in the midst of them, which means he's here in the midst of us. I just, I just, I've been sensing all week and heavily yesterday that that somebody or people are faced with a decision to make and you need help. And he wants to help you make the right decision that sets you on the path to fulfillment of why he created you to begin with. And we want to pray with you this morning about that. Because what God has purposed for you, it says in Jeremiah 29.11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Would you close your eyes for me? Read this to you again, and I want you to really hear it for you. For I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. That's his heart for you. God, I thank you for having a heart for your people, for your friends. Lord, I ask that you'll quicken to us. What is it, Lord, that is we're faced with? What are the decisions that we must make? Are we in a place where we're deciding between friends and a friend in Jesus? That's a tough one. Are you in a position where you're faced with work or no work? Relationship or no relationship? What are the decisions that you're faced with this morning? Because I know his plans, his plans are to prosper you. To give you hope. To give you a future. That's the plans he has for you. So as you're choosing, as Joshua said, choose you this day whom you will serve. Who are you serving in your decisions? God, speak to our hearts. Lord, we choose you. May that be unanimous in this room today, that we choose you 
in all your ways. We lay down our vain imaginations. We cast our thoughts upon you, Lord. Still with your eyes closed, who in here this morning is struggling with a decision you have to make? Amen. You may put your hands down. Oh, hallelujah. Would you all be standing with me this morning? Pastor Scott, Pastor Doug, if you guys could come. And those four that raised your hands, would you please come forward, please? These two men I look at as being mentors of mine. Yes, one's my dad and one's my spiritual dad. And I want them to pray for you guys because I trust in their wisdom. And not theirs, but the one that God's and the wisdom that God has placed within them. Anybody else in here this morning that has a decision to make that you really need support with? Would you all bow your heads and stretch your hands forward as as they're praying for them? And, And as we're singing this song, consider the decisions they have before them, would you? I have one more prayer for you before we leave today, and that is I want you to know that you can ask for forgiveness and He will completely forgive you of bad decisions. As I was thinking earlier that it's our bad decisions that sometimes keep us from making the right decision because of fear. I won't do that again. In fact, Here's an example. I, I mentioned this a week or two ago that I had an issue in buying a house. And it went really bad. Actually, I was selling a house. And it went really bad. So anytime it came to renting or buying anything that had to do with a house, I grew fearful and I got weird about it. I didn't even want to I didn't even want to consider it any longer. It became very indecisive. Because I needed to be healed of that bad decision. that's what I want to pray before you leave today is that whatever has prevented you from making decisions, period, the hurt, the shame, the feeling of being disqualified no longer hinders you. Dear God, I I pray that we won't be hampered any longer because of the bad decisions we've made in life. Because quite honestly, God, you don't know us for that. You don't know us as being the one that makes bad decisions. That's the enemy that reminds us over and over and over again. So, Lord, I pray for your healing, your supernatural emotional healing. So, Lord, we can look to you unbound, free to make decisions that are godly, free to make decisions that honor you.
Lord, let the healing happen in such a way that it's known, it's felt, it's seen, so you can be glorified, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray as we leave this place today, we can go and consider every decision before us. Is this a godly decision? Is this what Jesus would do? And when we're uncertain, supernaturally speak to us, Lord. Give us a peace in our belly. A peace that says this this is okay. This has got to be God. And as we're faithful in little, I know you'll help us be faithful in much. We thank you in Jesus' name. Jesus' name.